Being an expert sucks. As a teacher of spiritual intelligence and emotional health, I get cornered into being the guy who has all the answers. I'd like to take this opportunity to make a confession. I don't. What I do have are convictions. I have theories. I have questions. I find myself looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. Stop setting up your tent. We can't stay here. Through my journey, it's become evident that being a participant is no longer enough. It's time to become reformers. These are my confessions. To get deeper in this conversation, visit MikeMayashiro.com. Welcome to part two of my interview with Rocky Roggio. She's the director of the film 1946, a mistranslation that shaped a generation. At the recording of this has yet to come out. I'm hoping that this interview is going to be impactful and eye-opening and help kind of whet your appetite and prepare you for what this film is going to be doing for everyone, as well as just more exposure and understanding around the whole queer conversation as it pertains to Christianity. Let's get into part two. If we can try to, with grace, introduce these notes on how literalism is harmful and how literalism is a new invention. It's a modern invention. And so, you know, if we can just get to the roots of these things and it doesn't take away from God or spirituality at all. That's how the, you know, the Jewish community has been living for way before the Christian community. So what are we doing? You know, and then lays the problem of this us versus then, because it, what it does is it creates supremacy. And then within our denominations, we have supremacy, you know, so it just gets dangerous. So if we can just get people to just be like, all right, I can see that, but I can still be spiritual. That might be a good place to start. Totally. Oh, Rocky, I've got one more question for you on this. Okay, I'm ready. I'm noticing for people who have been in the evangelical world, and that's been predominantly their space, and that they've mostly only listened to and talked to people in that frame of mind, when you bring up the idea of privilege, the concept that there's a privileged group of people in any particular scenario we're pointing out, there are different kinds of privilege that someone is operating within, right, versus someone without it, they don't have a grid for this concept. My first question is, have you run into this? And then my second question on that is like, how oh, yeah. you help them understand or see or pick up that lens to provide the structure for the nuance that's necessary in the conversation that they have no grid for? Please, I definitely have seen it a hundred percent. People don't even realize how internalized even, or just like, or um, how much everything, some of the things that we've been raised, how racist we are, you know, as a country, systemic racism is a real issue. And there are lots of white evangelicals who just don't even see that that's a possibility because there are black people in their church, you know? Um, And these are the things that I, well, there's, we've got five black families in our church. We're not racist, you know, but they're, they're missing, they, but they won't support critical race theory. You know, they don't understand that there is a system in place that benefits a certain group of people. And so, that's a harder, that's a bigger conversation, I think. And it's just going to take time. Um, And hopefully, again, something like our movie and Kathy and Ed's book will help break down these walls. And honestly, the deconstruction movement, which I think is great uh, to question these things. I think we need to and must question the institution and the rules that have been put in place for us and why they exist uh, so that we can understand them better and use them better. I just think it's going to take time, patience, uh, and more of us using our voices, telling our stories, really, you know, and, and I think, though, also, I mean, getting across the aisle as much as that's such a hard thing sometimes to do, uh, but being in the room and being present with 
people who disagree with you. We left the story off where you were at the speaking conference, Kathy yeah. and I were doing, right? And your dad came and he came up at the end and was like, show me where the Bible possibly is affirming here. And we know that it's not in there. And it was there. Did you want to pick up from that part of the story? My dad doubled down and he told me he was going to be writing a book on why he believes homosexuality is a sin. He was upset. And, you know, so I was like, okay, dad, that's fine. And then I invited my father. I asked him, I said, look, you know, I'm going to be making this documentary. I'm going to be making a documentary about the mistranslation of the Bible. I'd like you to be a part of it. At first he said no, but basically what I wanted to do was continue on this journey with him to listen to other speakers who have these ideas and this affirming theology and you know, think leaders. And so I took him to the Reformation Project in 2019, pre-COVID. It was a big one in Seattle. And there were a ton of people there. And I took a big a whole film crew. And when my dad arrived prior to arriving, he told me he didn't want to participate in the documentary, but he would be there for me. And he allowed us to film him doing B-roll type stuff. And then while we were at Kathy and Ed's second conference, and when he got to see them speak again, my dad wasn't handed the microphone. And that led him to say, okay, I'm ready to sit down and be interviewed. But dad, we told you prior to coming to the conference that you had your chance to do questions in front of the group. And this wasn't your, your chance. So we did already warn him that we weren't going to be giving him the microphone. But, you know, preachers like to preach. And so, you know, it was a beautiful kind of happy accident. And I think he really wanted to be a part of it anyway. Uh, that just kind of was that big excuse for him uh, to finally sit down in the chair. It also was a couple of days in, so he probably felt he could trust us a little bit more. And I'm so grateful that he did because he trusts me with his story. Uh, he was really nervous, of course, as a documentary filmmaker. You can take and cut and edit and twist people's words if you're being a jerk and not a journalist. And he trusted that we're working to make a highly academic journalistic exploration into this issue. So that led to dad being in the movie. And now we'll see if he's changed his ways at the end of the film or not. And if his book is coming out and all that stuff, uh, I'm going to see about doing a follow-up interview with him in March. Why would he agree to be in a movie that is defending homosexuality within scripture when he clearly disagrees? Why would he agree to be in something like that? I don't know. I'll just say we got really lucky that he said yes, because I think it's rare. I think that most fathers and non-affirming ministers would say no, but I think it's a testimony of how much he loves me. And so in that respect for my dad and in him trusting me with his story, we do nothing but honor him in that. And hopefully he'll see the movie and hopefully my family will see the movie. And hopefully we can be an example of people who have completely opposite worldviews that are still able to go to lunch together and do the best that we can. So Rocky, I want to point this out as well. How are you as gracious as you are, as compassionate, patient, understanding with people who are ignorant, aggressive, you know, just intolerant to other ideas than what they've known their whole lives? How do you handle that conversation in that space with such grace, were you always this way? Did you learn? Like, how did, how did you get to be like this? The grace y'all might see behind the scenes. I probably cry more than laugh, but I do, I do laugh a lot too. And I have a, a wonderful support system of people who check in with me and that I can vent to daily. The first year of doing this movie, it also took 
20 years of my process growing up and trying to rediscover myself and figure out where I fit in in the world, how I fit in with dating, forgiving my parents, you know, letting go of anger um, and, and trying to be on that journey to come to a place where I want to do this documentary where I'm not angry anymore. I'm just tired. And I, you know, and I, I'm, I'm making this movie because if I can help young Sharon, who's sitting, who's sitting in that congregation know that it's going to be okay. And there are other options for you, you know, and, and we can have parents treat their kids with respect, then it's worth doing this movie. The first year when I started doing this movie, um, you know, a lot of it is engagement in social media. And I was able to practice with a small audience on Instagram on how not to behave and how to behave and remembering Yes, okay. because it's so easy to just be like, you're a jerk, you know, uh, and just get so mad at all the comments that we get. I have to remember that there are people on the other side, as much as they're coming at us with, as, with weapons and words are weapons, I don't want to do the same thing. And it's difficult. It's really, really, really difficult. And sometimes I fall short, you know, but I had a good practice for the first year before we blew up a bit. And now on TikTok, it's really important because if I didn't learn those lessons, TikTok is this crazy world where if you make a comment, somebody can stitch your comment and then the comments like there forever. You know what I mean? And it's just like, what is this world? And so the last thing that I want to do representing 1946 and what we're trying to do, which is lead with love, is have a nasty comment be our representation. So I think just a lot of patience, understanding, empathy for the other side. They're scared. They're fearful. They're scared of the unknown. They've been taught that, you know, the LGBTQ people have been stigmatized for so long as criminals, as mentally ill, you know, all of these isms that were just not, and it just still is like systemic racism. It just, it, it, it lingers. It's like, um, you know, it's seared like a hot iron. It doesn't go away. You know, maybe we can uh, help heal the burn, but I think the scars are always going to be there, you know? Yeah. Another question for you. Yeah. Even when we've talked, just like we're just talking at like late into the night and we're just hanging out at a conference, we're having a conversation. You continued to be gracious and patient. And I mean, you, me and Ed were chatting and I'm like, okay, that's a really gracious, patient way to handle the situation. Thank even you. though you might be bleeding out. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, when I have Christian friends, people who know me well, we're close and, and then I've come out, right? And they have known this, but now that I'm like vocally advocating for the queer community, they're like starting to get roused up a little bit. And they're telling, like, they get to this place where they're like, hey, I love you and I support you. I just don't believe this is from God. I don't believe that God's like, is okay with this. God's word is not endorsing this. I am at this point in my process, I cannot accept that. It's, there's something about that space that I'm like, this is not appropriate to me. I'm curious, do you think that's a maturity thing? Do you think that's a personal vantage point situation? Do you feel similarly? Do you feel differently? I, I'm just, I know, cause I feel like still new in like, is this gonna go away? Is this like gonna get stronger? But yeah, I, no, it'll never go away. I don't think it'll go away. Sorry, Mike. Um, but you know, I think I just learned to manage it more. So even today, we had a wonderful opportunity where we had a hundred filmmakers in New York, professional documentary filmmakers watch our movie and give us feedback. And one woman couldn't make the conference and she instead she wrote me and she said she didn't watch the film because she's hearing impaired and so we didn't have closed captions, but she still wanted to give her two cents on the movie. And she was a Christian woman who was trying to tell me about the change.org movement and real people who are just trying to deal with the biblical order of creation. She also confessed in this letter that she was a lesbian, but she had 
followed in the correct order of God. And so she got married kind of thing. And my first reaction was to be like, here's another person critiquing the movie that they haven't seen and coming in with their own, you know, and, and trying to tell us what to do. And of course I've heard of change.org. So Im immediately I was on the defensive. Like, what do you, of course I've heard of these people. You know what I mean? And like, it was just so mad. But then I remember too, like I have to, I, there was a bit of like some sorrow for her to realize that this woman had to put aside a big part of her life for so long because of the beliefs that she was told of what the Bible says, what they think the Bible says, you know? And so I turn to that emotion. So I don't react because my first reaction will be ah, very negative. Uh, but it also doesn't help with getting people to, to come to the table with us and watch the movie. I, maybe it is maturity. I don't know. I never would have considered myself being mature. So I don't even know if I'm saying that out loud, right? I'm probably like the most immature 44 year old you'd ever meet. But yay, you know, I think that is a, a testimony of just growing up and just trying to not create another wound for someone who's creating a wound for, for us, you know? Man. I know. I don't know how I do it. So. <laughs> hey there. That's great. It's great. So the, mo the movie, the 1946 film, who's your intended audience? Are you appealing to non-affirming Christians? Are you appealing to the queer community? Like, I would love to reach an evangelical audience. I would love to have this played in as many churches as possible, whether they're affirming or non-affirming. I would love to have an evangelical audience be able to sit through this movie. And so in setting it up, I've definitely thought about that audience and, you know, would they turn this off or would they keep this on? Is it interesting enough? Is the history interesting enough? The people interesting enough, the journey, you know, I want them to watch this movie. I think it's important for them to watch this movie. Now in saying that I didn't want to exclude any other audience. And I do think and feel, and it's been testing well, where those other notes of what it really is, is a history piece, a journey piece, an academic piece, a journalistic approach to a discovery. It's a discovery film, you know, and those notes I think are very attractive and hopefully people will want to learn with us along the way. And that was one of the notes we got today from these professionals. Um, there were, there was a Muslim in the room. There was an atheist in the room, a gay Christian, a gay ex-Christian, and all of them said, everyone had nothing but good things to say about the film and that it was engaging. And even though it's a very Christian movie, they were all engaged in the film. So that's really good to know that I think that we've been successful at those notes. I hope everybody watches it, but that's kind of the intended audience because that's where the problem lies. And I just want to invite them into this conversation. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, what are you hoping this film, what kind of impact are you hoping it has? I mean, it would be wonderful if in 50 years from now, people are still referencing it. And they're saying, do you remember that movie that changed culture, that had a chance to shift culture back, that had a chance to have an honest conversation about people? Because, you know, this isn't, again, an attack on God. It's not an attack on the Bible. You know, it's not even like that much of an issue with the translators. This is a people issue. But the people are the ones who did the translations, who wrote the Bible, who give us this idea of God. It's, it's a people issue. And, and so we just need to all sit down and be invited to this. My, my intervention, this is a, my <laughs> intervention with the church. <laughs> totally. people, people versus the church in oh order, God. in session. Let's go. Right. Love it. That's awesome. Okay, so I feel like I'm kind of hearing two different hopes and I'm wondering which one, and maybe one of them is not accurate. I'm wondering which one feels more like 
true to your hope. There's the, hey, we've gotten this wrong. We need to change our mind. We're reading this incorrectly. We've got to fix the error we've made regarding the LGBTQ plus community. Or, hey, we need to be more honest and sincere in having this conversation no matter where we end up. The result is not important. What matters is that we're having the conversation and how we engage. I mean, I would love for us to fully accept and affirm the LGBTQ community, but if we get the other perspective, then it will help in how law is created and help provide equal protection for everyone under the law. So we win with both because right now we're heading in the opposite direction. We're losing our rights. We're going to lose our right to marry. You know, um, women are losing their rights. We're in some really scary situations right now. So I think that if the, the bigger conversations will help us as a whole in society on us maintaining equal protection for everyone. So yeah, I'd rather be fully affirming. We'll see. It's going to, like I said, it's going to take time. It doesn't happen overnight. And some spaces may never, ever become affirming. And that's their choice. That is their right. They have every right to worship in their church how they want research shows it causes harm but you know we're not trying to take anybody's freedom of religion away you know but i think we already see where the where the church shift is going yeah i think more people are standing up in their churches so not only do we have things like this movie and movements like the reformation project um and people getting educated on what the bible actually says and again this data versus dogma kind of conversation and now people are starting to challenge their pastors. They're starting to challenge their small groups. They're starting to say, well, my, my niece is gay. And I don't really think that this is what it says. And, oh, look what I just found this article. You know, I hear it every day and I think it's just going to continue to blossom and more churches will change. What do you hope in terms of action or participation or response? What are you hoping your ideal audience does with what they get out of the film. Yeah, I think that they should share the information. I think they should say, hey, I saw this movie and it changed my mind and you should watch it too. And then I would encourage everybody to get Kathy's book and read the book. And I'm working right now, we just had a call with a potential investor who would be um, a philanthropist to help us do an impact campaign. What does that look like? I'll be drafting that up. I don't really know, but I know that we can take Kathy's book and turn it into a workbook that could become a course that we can do in communities to actually guide people through this, this theology and even things like one flesh, the one flesh doctrine we see over like 200 times in the Old Testament. I don't know how many times exactly, don't quote me, but in every time it's talking about a kinship relationship. It has nothing to do with sex. And when you see this, you think about this, even if you are someone who does live a celibate life, you do need relationship with people. You need your kin, you need your tribe. You, you can't survive, you know, and, or if you do, it's very lonely. If we can get people to have that conversation, then yeah, let's turn it into a workshop situation where we're really delving into these meanings, you know. The book that Rocky's referencing is called The Forging of a Sacred Weapon. It's not out yet. So everything we're talking about is not available. You can't watch it at the recording of this conversation. Yeah. But, um, but that book is supposed to be coming out this year as well. Rocky, is it in tandem with the film? They're two separate. Things. I don't know when they're coming out. Yeah. The thing is, is that every time they, I don't know, they keep researching, right? And they keep discovering new things and writing a book I can imagine is quite difficult. And the same thing with making a movie. Thank you for everybody for being patient because this is not easy. But yeah, I don't know if they're going to come out together, Um, but I'm going to be with Kathy and Ed next weekend. So if I can get any information, you better believe I'll be posting it on our socials. Perfect. Great. So let's talk about that for a second. How do people find you? What's the best ways for them to stay up to, up to date with everything you're doing and putting out? 
Yep. So we are on all social media platforms at 1946 The Movie. And then our website is 1946themovie.com. And on our website, you'll find things like press information. You'll find merchandise if you want to support us. You can buy merch, and that's a wonderful way to support us. You know, so you don't have to spend a lot of money and you can get something cool out of it too. And then we have on there ways that you can support us financially. We have a fiscal sponsor, which means you can make a tax deductible donation. And Women Make Movies is our fiscal sponsor. So they'll receive the donation and give it to us. And then we have a GoFundMe up as well on the website. Yeah. My podcast is called Confessions of a Reformer. And basically, I like to ask my, and I didn't even tell you this, Rocky, so this is coming out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> surprise. Is there a confession that you that you have along the way? They're like, man, people don't know this, but but I feel this way. I think this. I don't know this. Yeah, I don't know any of it. There's. I don't have anything in particular in mind when I ask that. I'm just curious if there's something you want to share there. Um. Well, I think at the new discovery because I'd mentioned earlier about supremacy, and you know, I started to really think about this Christian, the way that the church. Uh, really puts out Christianity as far as like, even just as the world's religion, I think is so, and this, I could get in trouble for saying this, but I think it's just so damaging. And I even heard, you know, a, a John MacArthur sermon, because I watch a lot of the non-affirming side and they say things like the offensive thing about the gospel is it is an exclusive religion and you have to believe because if you don't believe that Jesus is this and that and that, you will burn in hell for all eternity. And I'm just like, I remember asking my dad once about how I view the Bible as an all-inclusive and the gospel message as an all-inclusive. And he, I remember him telling me that, no, it is exclusive. And my jaw dropped in that moment. And, uh, you know, I was just like, wow, I never expected him to say that. And I think I was today years old when I realized it all comes down to this, I am right in my beliefs and you are wrong in your beliefs. And so I think that Christianity has a fundamental supremacy problem that needs to be addressed as well. I said it out loud. I agree. Okay, good. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to agree. That's awful, right? That's I know. terrible. But even in my own process of coming out as a gay person and just having to repent for so many bad beliefs I had before I was willing to, to go down this road, that was definitely one thing I had to find. I found in my own soul, I'm like, this is here. I was indoctrinated to be convinced that I was right and everyone else was wrong. You know, and it's not to say that I can't be right about things, but to assert that the certainty I have about everything I'm convinced of right now is true for everyone and whoever disagrees is wrong and yep. gets punished. It breeds war and arrogance. It doesn't, it doesn't say love thy neighbor. I just think we really need to address this from an honest point of view. And that's a bigger conversation for after 1946. Nice. Thank you for sharing that. Fascinating. Now, before we leave that little confession, the little bomb you yeah. dropped that I like jumped in with you on. <laughs> you for that. So I'm thinking about the people watching or listening to this and they're hearing you say that and hearing me be like, yeah, without the context, they could be like, uh, so you're, you're saying anti-Christian, right? Yeah, you're not Christians. You don't believe in Jesus, right? Because Christians will then bring up Jesus is the only way to the father. Yes right. or no. Do you believe that or right. not? Right. And then it gets kind of this, the knife comes out. You're like, oh, this is the very thing that you're speaking against. It's like this exclusive demand, whatever. Do you want to speak to that concern they might have or where they might be misunderstanding or mishearing you? Yeah. I mean, I just think that it's a bigger conversation that the church needs to have as far as like how then 
when we do point the finger like you just did, it asserts a knife. And so, you know, we need to be honest in how we address people, how we present ourselves and how we, you know, our, our ideas of being supreme come out when we behave that way. So if I'm challenging you and your thoughts on that, it should be challenging. Um, but I'm not saying how or what I think around that. I'm just saying I see a problem in the church that needs to be addressed. And again, we'll have that conversation after the 1946 movie. <laughs> we can address it. One giant stronghold at a time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. First, let's acknowledge the problem and then we can start to dissect it. Totally. Love it. That's awesome, Rocky. Thank you. That's so cool. Um, so for the record, in case I haven't already shared this in whatever other ways, I'm so proud of you. I Thank love you. the work you're doing. I'm so thankful for the effort you're putting into this and what 1946 is, is going to do for so many people, what it's already done for me. I've had the privilege of watching yeah. it twice. And it has, yeah, just like deeply impacted my own journey and process and just added acceleration and ease to the the things that I've had to, to sort through is so helpful. And I just love the due diligence and the thoroughness that you've brought and the people, the excellence and the caliber you've brought into your film. It's so good. So thank you. I haven't endorsed thank that. Like, Hey, this movie's awesome. You guys go see it. This is going to be so helpful in your process of understanding whether you're already affirming, not affirming, trying to figure out if you can be anybody, this is going to be such an added benefit to your journey in that process for sure. I hope so. Rocky, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for jumping on here. So excited yeah. for what you're doing and can't wait to see the finished result. You guys, again, at 1946, the, the movie. That's it. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all the things. Yes. And that concludes my interview with Rocky Rogio. She's so cool. Isn't she cool? So be sure to check out in the show notes the details of how you can connect with Rocky, support her work. If you're a queer Christian and you're looking for support or an environment to help you reconcile your faith with your sexuality, you're in luck. We've got a group called The Rainbow Room that I personally lead. Um, this is a bunch of queer Christians who get together every week with me and we're doing the work of reconciling our faith with our sexuality. And then if you're a, um, an ally or you want to be an ally for the queer community and you're doing the work of being functional and engaged in that space, we have a group just for you. It's called Allies. I'll provide the link for that in the show notes as well. I would encourage you to check it out. Thank you so much for watching and we'll see you next time. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you want to see how deep this rabbit hole goes, check out MikeMyashiro.com.